So welcome back, back from skiing. Back from skiing. We missed you last week. We survived. Yeah, sounded like you had a good time. It was very good. Great to be back. (laughs) I know, you love it, yeah. (laughs) We went to the tax-free haven of Andorra. Yeah, it's not quite tax-free, but it's tax-light. Tax-light. It's very light. 4.5% VAT. Married couples. uh, 40,000 euro limit for no tax. And then straight 10%. Well, you're talking income tax now. Income tax. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you did tell me as well, which of course I should have realised but hadn't, is that it's outside the EU and therefore if you're looking to spend time abroad, you're not subject to the 90 days in every 180 that you are elsewhere in the EU. You've also got to turn your phone off before you get to the board. Oh, the roaming charges are somewhat, <laughs> somewhat The roaming charges are now, Tell me about ridiculous. that place you stopped to charge the car as well with the, um, the shop. Yeah, so attached. we stopped at this little, um, just outside Gatwick Airport, There's a, I think it's called GridServe maybe. Um, charging station and it was really cool actually so you sort of drove in underneath that's like a building with a charging area underneath plugged the car in tapped it so just you know it's real straightforward Mm. and then we went upstairs because you've obviously got to wait 30 minutes or something to get the car charged and they had this one of those almost like an Amazon Go but different type of um, it obviously wasn't an Amazon Go it was their own version so you had to tap your card to enter and then there's just cameras all over the roof and then you could just take what you wanted and walk out. And walk out, yeah, like the Amazon Go store. So I, I lasted, I resisted for 15 minutes, and then the mithering of the children right. got to me, and I thought, okay, well, let's give it a go. So I've got, I haven't actually checked my bank statement, so I've got no. <laughs> you could have been charged. I could have been charged for pays and pain for a packet oh, of crisps right. or something. But yeah. um, now, yeah. what'd be cool is if they tied that into when you've locked your car in. Because your car's already paying for its charge, right? Yeah. So if it's just for the people who are charging, then you just do that once. Yeah. Then you go upstairs and it knows who you are. And so, but it was—it did feel a little bit, yeah, like you're sort of in the future a little bit. I don't know. It just felt like kind of just a very seamless experience. I think that yeah. you could walk in somewhere, they designed it well, plug your car in, mm-hmm. go up the stairs, get get your food, sit down, and you kind and of don't. Out. Yeah, I don't know. Almost too easy though, isn't it? It was too easy. I don't know how I feel about it. It's just you know, there's what people rely on supermarket jobs for income and things as well well that's true as well well that that opens up a whole debate doesn't it um, change of the economy but it wasn't yeah it was an interesting experience Mm. all right well we are here to do a podcast so should we do do another one yeah great Hello and welcome for another episode of the SME Growth Podcast, produced for you by Wellmeadow. We're a growth agency and we love coming up with content every week on our podcast, which might be interesting to SME business owners and managers who are looking to grow their companies. So this week is no exception and we're going to talk a little bit about how you promote your business after we've covered a bit of news. And if you've just heard the intro, you'll know that Richard's back with me in the room. Welcome back, Richard. Thank you. We did um, an online one last week, actually. Did you? Yeah, we had a guest on. A guest on. Did you? You should have watched it by now. Yes. I know you're busy on holiday. I was. Uh, but we used this software that captures the high-quality audio and video from the other end. So that, that's what's put us off for a long time not doing them, isn't it? We mm. didn't want it to be too crackly like it is yeah. on a Zoom call. So that worked quite well. And uh, I think a few more people have been contacting us wanting to be on the podcast. So look out for more guests. So we're actually on the... Um notified this week that we're in the eighth position of the 25 best UK podcasts for business and SMEs. Wow, that's, that's climbing up so the charts then, isn't Climbing it? up the charts. Very good. And I did mention it to someone yesterday who went straight to their phone to click the follow. And they said, oh, as soon as you type in SME, it comes up with your podcast. So, 
there we go. All plan for. Get, all get, you get your signed photos now. <laughs> exactly. Early doors. <laughs> we need to get that merch going that we talked about. It's in the podcast merch. Apply for, apply for that. Right. Uh, as ever, let's just do a quick roundup of the news. And then the subject for today, as you may have seen if you've already uh, clicked on the link for this podcast, is a, a bit of a take on the exhibitions story that we did some time ago in a previous podcast, but this time comparing and contrasting an exhibition with a conference. And I should imagine a lot of people listening to it, their first reaction is, well, they're the same thing, aren't they? So we'll, we'll cover a bit mm. about the differences, and that's informed by the fact that I went to one yesterday. So let's, let's have a think about that. So first off, a bit of the news. Now, there's nothing majorly come out in the news this week, uh, but there is a lot of speculation around what might be happening in the budget or the spring statement or whatever they mm. call it, which is just under a month away. And it's election year. So I think we're all expecting the government to just throw money around left, right and centre, trying to buy votes in their, in their core heartlands. <laughs> So it won't surprise you to know that the old get something, uh, or at least it's perceived to be a benefit to the old, of inheritance tax. And actually, I would have thought that would be more benefit for the not-so-old, <laughs> because yeah. it's, you know, who's, giving, who's living behind and who's benefiting from it. Uh, but anyway, there may be something around that. Uh, first-time buyers might be doing something around first-time buyers, and there's an upper limit at the moment to the the um, lifetime ISA thing that they can have, so they may increase increase that a little bit. Childcare, similarly for the younger voters, extending child. I think they pre-announced that last year anyway, so right. let me just extend that a bit. I think the, probably the headline-grabbing one will be something around income tax. And I, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to resist it, because I'm sure in an earlier year, when he was putting taxes up, he tried to persuade us all that he was a low-tax chancellor mm -hmm. before he became prime minister. And so I think just to sort of make good on that and say, here you go, I told you so, you'll knock something off income I tax. I would say... Take a leaf out of Andorra's book. Ten percent. Ten percent. After forty thousand. After forty thousand for married couples. I think it's twenty five for single. And then it's just a flat ten percent rate. Oh. Regardless of what you earn. They must have a very different economy then if they can wonder where they get the money from then. Tourism. So the population of Andorra, just to give you a quick fact. Here we go. Eighty five eighty five thousand in the winter. Right. During sorry, in the summer. During this winter it swells to about half a million. Wow. And it's just predominantly based on tourism. And they charge you a tourist tax or something every day you stay. Yeah, yeah I think it was like one one fifty euros or something right. per day or something. I suppose if you get enough people paying it. But it's not still not a lot, is it? Yeah, interesting. Well there you go. So we're all expecting a ten percent um tax then, Rashid. And it was very very clean, very safe. Mm. There's only one road. That really goes through Andorra. <laughs> so there's only one, there's one way into Spain and one way into France. Right. So they don't have a lot of issues with crime. Because they'll catch you on the way out. Bit of smuggling though, because you can. Because you know, of the tax. You can get your tobacco very uh, cheap. I'm surprised we haven't heard more about that in Northern Ireland, you know, because they're in this sort of quasi both the EU and the UK at the same time. Apparently, people ski. Apparently, they recovered 2 million euros worth of um, contraband cigarettes last year. People skiing it over the border. <laughs> skiing it out. Skiing it out. <laughs> Got a big rucksack on. But yeah, it's like kind of like a hand solo skiing yeah. across like There's a film. I thought I could live that life. <laughs> what, a professional <laughs> smuggler. The life of a professional skiing smuggler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that on your C V. Anyway, we digress. We do. 
Anyway, that, that was a bit. I just wanted to sort of, you know, trigger the thoughts in people's minds a month before the budget. The one that I would be looking out for, which might be relevant to us and our listeners, is uh, some changes they're proposing to the Enterprise Investment Scheme, the EIS scheme. Mm. And there's a smaller one, as you know, the EIS scheme. And that's got a limit on it at the moment. You can only use it if your company is less than seven years old, which is great if you're in startup mode. But if you're looking to get some tax beneficial investment in, they're thinking of extending that beyond or even abolishing the seven-year limit. Mm. And that means it's very advantageous for people to invest in your business and they get all sorts of tax breaks, Yeah, uh, especially putting away capital gains that would otherwise be taxable elsewhere and all those sort of things. I'm not a tax expert, but if they suddenly opened yeah. it out to over seven years companies, then... Not legal advice. This is not legal advice. But the lawyers are just off camera here telling us what to say. Prejudice <laughs> comment. So there we go, that's all a bit of that. So let's have a quick chat then about um, topic of today. So this was triggered in my thought of the subject because I was at a conference yesterday hosted by the Motorsport Industry Association. It's very exciting, very interesting. Good to see just what the latest trends are and around fuels in particular and what's the future of that and where's R&D going in it yeah. and what's the, how's the whole dynamics of the sport going. And they even had um, a new sport that was, they had the, the CEO of this new sport, which is electric powerboat racing which had its first ever race last weekend in Jeddah. So they were talking about that, and so that was new to a lot of people as well. So it was all very interesting. But as is often the case with these sort of conferences, if you go to the, the tea and coffee breakout area just outside the, the seminar room, there's loads of companies with stands. Well, I say loads, you mm. know, a couple of dozen. And it struck me that it was a very different feel to it than when you go to a trade exhibition. If you go to the NEC and there's all the, you yeah. know, the massive halls and all that. So I thought, well, I wonder... I wonder if people approach those events differently. So I just had started having a bit of a chat with that. Mm. But I'm just wondering, you know, just out of the box, if you were doing one or the other, would you immediately instinctively plan for them differently? Would you think about it in a different way? Or do you just think, oh, it's well, an exhibition, it's complicated? Well, you mentioned earlier, right, you know, would, would people think there's a difference? And when you mentioned earlier, let's talk about conferences versus exhibitions, my immediate reaction was, oh, what's the difference? But then as we were just talking about it, there is actually quite a significant difference, like you say. Mm. And you've probably got a different audience and maybe some different objectives for why people are there. So if you think about it from that point of view, you probably should plan differently for them. And maybe it's about taking a best of both worlds approach. Maybe there's a hybrid approach to, mm. you know, I would say probably, I was saying earlier with that, that a conference is much more thought leadership led. Whereas yeah, the speakers there. Whereas an exhibition is going to be more kind of just sales awareness. Here we are. It thing. could be find a supplier. We talked about that before. There's as much traffic goes on, I think, at an exhibition about spying on the competition, mm. poaching each other's staff, yeah. you know, just getting the, the vibe about what's going on. And obviously, they get the odd customer come around as well. Right but there. probably people put more effort into maybe attracting people onto their stands at an exhibition as they would at a conference. So. You know, maybe it's about approaching the conference where you're maybe going to get more thought leaders and mm. CEOs, C-suite people going for that kind of high-level insight. Yeah. But approach that with more of an exhibition mindset. Well, it struck me as, as odd, and I was just sort of 
playing devil's advocate a bit really but I went mm. up to a, several of the stands just to have a chat I said, you know, made it quite clear mm. that I was just interested in why they were there rather than I was a potential customer I wasn't leading anybody on but I asked them did they approach it any differently to when they go to exhibitions and without fail they all also did exhibitions mm. as well as conferences and I didn't find one that did they just have the same approach the same yeah. stand the same display the same people manning the stand and I, it just got me to thinking, like you were saying there, different audiences, different reason for their, for them being there. And because of that thought leadership piece, you got a lot more senior people there at the conference. So yesterday we had you know, chief execs of this, that and the other company all related to various aspects of the, the motorsport world, as well as the chief execs of the key suppliers and key players in the industry, which you would expect. But you go to an exhibition, you wouldn't normally see a bunch of chief execs wandering around. They've got people that do that for them you know mm. if you're if maybe you're the engineering director and you're going around looking for a new process or whatever it may be so there'll yeah. be there'll be other people in the organization that are in charge of finding suppliers and seeing what's latest in trends from suppliers but this was definitely thought leadership from another direction mm. so you wouldn't so these people aren't necessarily going to be the ones doing the buying but if you've got the ear of the chief exec and they mention it to their whoever engineering yeah. director or procurement director that's going to be a good start right mm. but it probably isn't quite so immediate so maybe the time scales of converting a lead like that i could yeah. imagine being longer but you can you, you can imagine that if and maybe it's going to be harder to attract people onto your stand that way although then in exhibitions like you say people try harder there to get people onto your stand mm. because there's just a lot more companies there right competing for for eyeballs yeah i suppose thinking about it you know back to the basics of marketing know your audience type of Mm. mantra buyer personas that type of thing if you were sending out emails to ceo versus a say procurement director versus a engineering director for example mm. you would probably tailor that message slightly differently so why should that be any different yeah if you're going to an exhibition or or a conference where the audience is going to shift and maybe it's just i won't say it's laziness but it's convenience it's routine you know oh it's another one of those events you know take the stand take the same people do the same have the brochures yeah haven't tailored it at all for the fact that it's a different audience mm. wondered as well because if people are going there to learn about new stuff you'll obviously know who the speakers are going to be before you go whether you're an exhibitor or yeah. an attendee because that's they advertise it. that's how they get the people in right and you know, yesterday they had uh, Martin Brundle, for example, speaking, you know, famous commentator on Sky Sports Formula One or head of R&D for this and the other. So some really interesting people. So if you knew that's what they were going to be talking about, you could tailor your stand to at least link to the subjects yeah. being discussed. Yesterday, yeah. a lot of it was about alternative fuels, for example, you know, and using motorsports. So you could, if you had an angle on that, you'd, you'd want to mm. promote that instead of just going along and doing the same old, same old. Yeah, I suppose again, there's that, there's that. If you're, are people going to, you know, what, what are they going for? They're going to learn. How much? How much did you really learn from something? Or was it just an awareness of the landscape? A bit like we talked about in the previous episode on CEOs, mm. you know, getting that map of the landscape, isn't it? It's almost if you could provide a summary of all the talks or something for them to take away or something like that. Is that yeah. how do you how do you add the value that? Why are people going? No, no one's probably going to a conference to really deep dive on some expertise but it's about okay this is happening over here say with fuels or this is mm. happening over here with even esports where's that going in terms of motorsports and all that and all those sorts of things it's about getting that mental map isn't it that's why you kind of go to a conference because you're getting that kind of a summary of somebody's 
massive amount of work in half an hour talk. Yeah, digest for you. To digest it? for it. And it's undoubtedly, there's still a big element of the benefit is the networking mm. potential that it brings. You're going to meet other people there that you know go there. But if you know that a conference tends to attract the more senior thought leader types, then it's going to attract other more senior thought leader yeah. types because that's the networking opportunity. So, yeah, I can see if you were an organiser of these things, clearly you're going to be trying to offer the maximum benefit to get people to come along. You just want your event to break even. But if you're an exhibitor, it just struck me as something you should be thinking a lot more about than, than people perhaps do yeah. in terms of what you offer, linking it to the subject matter, understanding that your audience walking past your stand is likely to be a different makeup to normal. And maybe that's why they didn't, I don't know, I couldn't quite work out why were they not making more of an effort to get people's contact details. There were so many people, like you see at so many trade exhibitions, just sat there looking bored because <laughs> no one was talking to mm. them. And if people have come out of their long, you know, the plenary speaking session and want their half an hour break to have a cup of coffee or pop out for a cigarette or something, then do they want to wander and go and speak to a stand? But but there's no effort to try and bridge that gap. Yeah, I suppose that, that is another difference, isn't it? You you are, if you've been in a, you know, hour, hour and a half session of two or three speakers and you've mm. come out. You you have come out for a break, haven't you? Yeah. Rather than an exhibition where actually your purpose is to go and look around. Yeah. That's why you're there, isn't it? Whereas actually at a conference, you're you're there for the subject matter, and the the break bit is is the break. So you've yeah. got to. Exhibitors are almost incidental, and I did ask some of them: Are you just here really to support the association because you're part of this trade mm. body and you're looking to just show that you're there? And you, and there was a bit of that. Some people were mm. with it. But then others very strongly had the message that it was a very clear ROI for them. It's a great networking opportunity. They met both existing and past customers, but also made new leads. So all the things you'd expect to get out of a trade show type exhibition, they were also getting out of that. With the maybe the benefit that it's a lot smaller in terms of number of exhibitors. Mm. You won't have the hundreds that you get in you know, Hall 1, 2, yeah. 3, 4, 5 at the NEC, but you'll get a select few in maybe more of a niche industry slice. So maybe having fewer areas of benefit, but you've just got to think it through a bit. Yeah, it'd be an interesting kind of thought experiment to say, well, what's, how do you take that best of breed? Of, you know, what's the best things you can do at an exhibition mm. where you're really trying to get people onto your stand and then think that through through the framework or lens of a conference to say, well, okay, we've got people here that have had an absolute you know brain dump in yep. the last hour and a half, they're tired. They're, yep. They they want to catch up with the people that they know with their network. Mm. Right? What can we do to really? Yes. What do people want? What do they want at yeah. that point? Well, yeah. I think, and this is, I wanted to come on to it. Let me just talk um, briefly about the. No, let's go straight into the the bit I wanted to come on to, which is the client we're talking to at the moment about mm. preparing them for a conference coming up soon. The point I was just going to make there, I was uh, I was missing, was. Very unlike a trade show exhibition, you get the visitors in waves. They come all at once when they come out of whatever talk's just been on and then they all disappear at once. So you've got to be really clever about capturing any lead details that come mm. your way. Because if you have got a stand that gets some interest, you'll have you know 10 people at once and then nobody for yeah. an hour for the next thing. So you've got to plan your, your lead capture process a bit better around that. But we're, we're working with this client at the moment that's turned out to be quite an interesting project here because they are planning on attending a conference in a couple of months' time. And because of this problem of the condensed period of time you get to see people, you've got to get as much value as possible before as well as during and then after mm. the event. You can't just rely on the event itself yeah. doing all the heavy lifting. So we've come up with some innovative thoughts, haven't we, which are quite interesting. 
I don't know how much about that we want to give away <laughs> of all our. Well, it's an interesting point just to think. Well, actually, let's say you do, you have got a popular stand, and you get a wave of people, and there's half an hour break or something. You've almost got to think about okay, what happens if we can't see everybody? What yeah. does that then? If someone's come to our stand and we've got twenty people mm. in a queue, yeah, true. Do they go away with negative? Can they self-serve? In can they way? self-serve, or do they go away with some sort of negative feeling if they don't actually get? to speak to somebody or they don't well there may be this concept it, of a hidden queue that they would have joined the queue because they saw two or three people talking to you they don't even bother they go somewhere yeah. else or just have another coffee so so i suppose without divulging too many details of our amazing super plan which if you'd like to know more about <laughs> you know where to come, you know where to come. <laughs> but it, you, it is about thinking around how do we do some how do you prepare for that exhibition or that conference how do you how do you get in front of people in the yeah. run up to it. Yeah, yeah. So so that you can, you know, what mechanisms can you use? How can you go about that? So that you're already almost building that relationship with them. You're you're minimizing the kind of friction points on the day mm. because you've you've done that prep work. And I think that's that's something that and again, there's the follow up after the event. So it's always a back to when we talked about conferences and events before. It's in exhibitions, it's it's the the pre the during and the post mm. that, that is really important. And oftentimes you see a lot of people do a lot of work in the run up to an exhibition or an event because you have to, right? There's a deadline to yeah, do the event, but then it all drops away. So it's it's thinking about it a lot more holistically. But And I think where where our idea generation came from around how to do this a bit differently was so often when you see that the email campaigns and the social stuff that comes out in advance of an exhibition. It's all about you coming to the exhibition. We're going to be there on stand, you know, one, two, three, whatever. And if you're not actually interested or going to that event, that's that's not for you, right? Yeah. So the first thing you could think about doing is how to open out that messaging so that it is more inclusive even to people who aren't going. Yeah. Maybe even something about if you can't make it, you know, we'll produce a digest of yeah. what was there or what was said or something, something of value. And then the other thing that struck me is on those things, they don't tend to focus too much on getting other people interested. Mm. There's no incentive for you to share that news. They're, yeah. they're listening to your message. You're going, oh, well, good for you. I'm not going, so that's it. Yeah. Pass on, move on to the next email. And so we've developed a bit of a process around doing those things. I wanted to give a shout out to them as well, because you said just now about thinking more carefully about what do people want in a half hour break if they've mm. just been listening a lot. And they've already got tea and coffee and cakes being provided. But it is what it is. We've all been there. It's the canteen stuff, you know, that you're expected mm. to, you know, you get everywhere. Yeah. And this particular client thought, well, let's let's just produce nice coffee. Let's have a nice coffee machine on the stand. You know, not just one of these bean to cup things, but an actual, you know, one that you need a barista yeah. to actually operate and they have a barista there and so on. So all of a sudden you can either queue up with everybody else for the filter coffee out of the massive urn that's probably been sat there for an hour mm. or two, or you can have a freshly made cappuccino. And that um, that works. <laughs> That gets yeah. people in. And yeah. of course, you can then tie that into your campaigns and you know, do People will do a lot for a free coffee. Exactly. So, yeah, think about, like you say, what do people actually want? And maybe they don't want to hear about your product at all, but they could still take something away. All they've got to do is leave the contact details, right? And say, yeah, yeah follow up, send, send me something, that's fine. And then you've you sort of achieved part of the goal of it. Branded vapes. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's really niche. <laughs> It's a younger market, that isn't it? Oh, is it just younger people have vapes? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that struck me as well is if you're going to exhibit there, should you not be really trying to become one of the speakers as well? Yeah. 
or at least on one of the Q&A panels or something. Because then at least, because you need to give people a hook to come and speak to you a little bit, don't you? Because if you're just another one of those people stood by the stand and you, there's, there's all sorts of folk just wandering around having their teas and coffees, probably talking to each other, how do you make it easy for them to break down? I always remember somebody, was it, was it Carl, Carl Doody, who said to us about that, game, mm. you know, be the speaker. Yeah. Because then you've got 50 people's attention or mm. however many people are there's attention for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it yeah. is. Like how much time would it take you to go and network with each of those, that many. those people? So and if they've seen you up on stage and they can hook into something you've said, yeah. it's a lot easier for them to come to you if you're the person manning the stand after and say, oh, I liked what you said there, or yeah. I disagreed with what you said there, or tell me more about such and such. Whereas if you're just someone of one of the many that are on the, all the stands, then mm -hmm. why would they come and have a chat with you? They'd rather go and have their yeah. cup of stale coffee and a, and a dried up bit exactly. of cake or whatever. So, yeah, some thoughts about that. So it's interesting as we look ahead to our event, calendar for the year and what events we're going to be going at because there's certainly a few exhibitions that we're lining up to mm. go to which are that type but it did make me think maybe we should look at a few more of the sort of more conferency speakery kind of arrangements where you can go along and be a speaker and have a stand in the foyer yeah and i must admit in the past i've probably had a bit more of a negative view about them as thinking that you just sort of make up the numbers a bit and yeah. people aren't going there for that but having just had a chance to interview a few stall holders yesterday sort of changed my view a little bit mm. that actually it's a different audience you go into it with a different mindset yeah um, and maybe you get something different out of it food for thought food for thought yeah so there you go that's a little summary of you know as you say when we mentioned it earlier on when you say conferences and exhibitions the instinct is that they're all the same thing but yeah they're quite different but actually yeah it's, it's, it's a bit nuanced isn't it but when you think about it it's there are some some Probably some opportunities, particularly on the conference front, to maybe employ some of those exhibition tactics. Yeah, and if you've got thought leadership stuff, you know, everyone likes to think they're an expert in some things. So yeah. Shout about it. It's a great platform. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. Good to chat that over. So thank you very much again for listening to this week's episode of the SME Growth Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, it's uh, great to try and just come up with different topics that might be interesting to business owners and managers of small and medium-sized companies uh, looking to grow. And that's what we tried to do this week. Uh, every time we ask you to follow us on whichever podcasting platform you get this from, but more importantly, just tell your friends to drop them an email, drop them a WhatsApp, tell them in the pub uh, that we're here and what we're doing. And as Rich says, we're already number eight in the list of UK business podcasts. So, so help us get up to uh, maybe number seven for, <laughs> for next week. So thanks a lot again for listening and good luck with your business.